You are listening to the Battle Ready Podcast. My name is Aaron McManus, and I'm here with my dad, Erwin Raphael McManus. It's good to be here with you. It's, it's good to have you, dad. We also have in the booth, in the box, right below me, Austin St. John producing this one. He's on the ones and twos. Yes, sir. And we are coming to you live from Hollywood, California. We are here. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, the problem, of course, is that Austin always talks too much. He talks. We got to talk about this. We got to talk about it. Because he talks too much. He talks too much. He's got to be talking a lot in his head because he doesn't say a word out loud. <laughs> My best memory of Austin in this podcast is when we did the live podcast in Pasadena at the conference. And he just, oh gosh, he just froze the whole time, just smiled. Didn't say a word. Okay. Well, I, I still think we should do a, a battle ready tour across the United States, maybe a few other countries. And if you are in a city and you have a location and you want to host one of our podcasts live, um, send us a comment, a note, a DM, and uh, who knows, maybe we'll add your city to a tour. That'd be amazing. Okay. We also need to, awesome. We need to release the Patreon episode of the London podcast. It's out. It's on Patreon. No, but we should release it on not Patreon too. Ooh. Like a double, hit them with a double. Okay. Wow. Because like Patreon gets it first and sometimes it like lives on Patreon and sometimes it like, you know, has two lives and goes into the, the world. But I was talking to, we have an, we have an intern at Mosaic and we met him then the day we, that we podcasted mm-hmm. in London. He was at the, the Hackney Church thing and he was like, man, you never posted it. And I was like, oh, we put it on Patreon. He's like, yeah, I know. Oh. <laughs> okay. You, you got to pay 50 cents to get that. Yeah, you got you got yeah, you know, it's, it's five bucks or whatever, 20 bucks. But you know, shout out to all our Patreon members. It's incredible. Yep. You guys have been holding strong. We are gonna do, we have to do this, Dad. We have to do a live episode for Patreon members. I agree. I think that's awesome. one of the things that's really special. Oh, so if you're a Patreon member, tell us what cities you're in. We'll figure out where the large cluster of Patreon members are, and maybe we'll host a battle ready live where where you are. It'd be cool. It'd be cool to do something just like, it doesn't have to be big. It would just be, I got a haircut. I mean, you know, like when you get a haircut, you just don't know what the heck your hair does. It doesn't know what to do anymore. Let's talk about it. Dad, we were having this conversation. Okay, wait, first off, first and foremost, this is, a, this is, a, this part's about me. I tried Brazilian jiu-jitsu yesterday. My right, body- so you're, you're announcing that to the world. And when I told one person, you got upset. I mean, let, it's my, let me, it's my business. Let me be my business. Let me talk about my own life. Let me do it. Yeah. And uh, I'm just I, fortunate you didn't know how to put me in some kind of lock hold or something. No, you, you know, it's, it's so interesting because I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It was, it was, it was, it was incredibly hard. And I would, I would say that I'm someone who's fit, but not necessarily the strongest at any given moment. Um, but I, it was, it was, I have bruises all over my body. Like I literally have a bruise. It's like deep purple and it's like the whole side of my bicep. And it was just, it was fascinating, fascinating, really interesting culture, really interesting sport. Um, I really liked it. It was cool. I have no principles that I've learned from it yet. So what makes it Brazilian jujitsu as opposed to just 
jujitsu. Look, man, I just went there one time. I just need you to relax. And I have really- <laughs> All I know is this. When I walked in, um, Alex, who's, you know, he's my shaman. He's my guide through this journey. And he said he's also 40 pounds heavier and like six inches taller than me. And we're sparring. And I'm like, is there not, do they not have like a littler version of you for me to like, me to team up with? And he's like, no, this would be good for you. You'll get strong because you'll be fighting me the whole time. And I was like, okay, interesting. Um, and, he, and he said, you know, the, the, one of the brilliant things about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, like this idea, the methodology is that 85% of all fights end up on the ground. And he goes, and when it ends up on the ground, it's over for them because all we do is roll around on the ground. Oh, mm-hmm. such an interesting, you know, interest, interesting mindset. I had to shift that because your, your, your function, he goes, we're the only species that, that, that lives on our two legs, or walks on two legs. And he goes, and this really teaches you how to adapt to like being on the floor and rolling and connecting to a different part of your body in a way that you don't use before. So you get really comfortable being really close. It's the op- he goes, it's the opposite. He goes, you'll, and then he says this, he says this, he goes, protect your wrists, protect your elbows, protect your legs. He goes, but if they choke you out, just hang on. The worst thing that can happen is you'll see stars and pass out for 30 seconds. That, that is a worst case scenario. <laughs> I said, my man, I don't want to go to sleep. I can't go to sleep. <laughs> no. Uh, blacking out, you know, assumes that you'll recover in 30 seconds. Yes. He's like, no, you'll, he's like, it happens to the best of us. You'll see stars and then you'll, you know, you'll pop up. (laughs) He said, he said, you'll get real warm and fuzzy first. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And, uh, all right. Well, jujitsu, that's good. That's good. I'm, um, I'm, I'm happy for you. And it's, um, close quarters. It's a way, way too much physical contact for me. <laughs> way too much. My, I, yeah. I think no. I'm preferring like tennis where the person is way on the other side of the court. <laughs> yeah. That's more my style. <laughs> no. But, well, it's been a good week. It's been a busy week. And busy week. So, so much going on. But I, I did think this interesting. I was meeting with someone today and, uh, you know, we're, we're working on a business level. You know, I'm helping, helping him with this company. but. As he was sharing, he was sharing he was also having son trouble with his ten year old son, and and one of the things you know I I told him as he was explaining to me what was happening with his son, I said, um, a part of the dilemma is that your son's a lot like you, and he's very very bright and he's bored to death, and his negative behavior is his way of letting you know that there's not enough challenge in his life, mm. and. It was interesting because he, you could just see the light coming on. Hmm. And I go, so the reason your son is acting out the way he is, is he's bored. Hmm. And, you know, you could have the advantage of having a much dumber child hmm. you know, who didn't need a high level of intellectual stimulation. But also what your son needs is physical stimulation. Hmm. The reason he can't sleep at night is he's not tired. Hmm. And so you need to get him involved in situations that, that actually expend his energy in a positive way, which I think in many ways leads to a conversation you and I were having about how do you get over depression? Hmm. And, and you were talking about how 
uh, jiu-jitsu and all the work we're doing, both at Mosaic and in the business space and with the art of communication and with the seven frequencies and all the work you do with the creative team and creating assets. Oh, do you, you really want to list the, the, the projects we have? Oh, I we don't have time. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, we have time, sir. All right. All right. Go through. Austin and Aaron, go through, go through the list. <laughs> you don't understand. Me and, Austin, me and Austin never sit silent next to each other. We were sitting because I, I was asking questions about one of the projects we're working on and I, and then so much anxiety, not anxiety, but like stress came over our bodies. It's okay to say anxiety. Yeah, but it wasn't like, I, I, put, I put anxiety in like a box of like, I can't handle this. This was like stress. It's like, I know, I, I know we can, we just have to like get in there and, and organize and pull at it and ask a bunch mm-hmm. of questions. So it's like, it's not anxious yet. Cause I'm like, we haven't failed or like not going to kill us, but like, it's, it's stressful. Like we can, we're, we're buried in it. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. We have the graphic novel. We have seven frequencies of communication. We have the art of calm. We have mastermind. We have the, the couple's mastermind. We have the, thing we can't talk about we have ghost artifacts which we we have have the men's mastermind a men's mastermind which is like essentially a private mastermind of like 12 to 20 people that you've pretty much almost filled up um that meets three times a year we have uh austin new book this year yeah we have the the new book coming out so we have to create all the assets for that broke my pinky when i was little so i can't keep it down um we have battle ready so we're 10 and then we have Mosaic, which is not last on the list. I'm just getting to the bigger things. <laughs> Mosaic. Um, we also have Leadership Labs, McManus Gallery, and Learning Labs. Oh, Learning Labs, and then McManus Gallery, and then Ghost Artifacts. Oh, I, I counted that in the ten. Okay. No, no, sorry, we're at we're at thirteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you add your desire to date. <laughs> Which, which I, I've tried. Yeah. It's distracting. <laughs> it's a lot of things, but, but we were talking about how, um, you know, there, there, it's interesting how we have decades and decades now of really of empirical data, because if you get enough experiential data, it turns into empirical data because you can begin to measure it. Right. And you have so many tens of thousands of hours helping people process through depression. And one of the things that I've seen that I really think is, is a really valid um, conclusion is that the only thing that actually gets you through depression is purpose. Hmm. That, that when you're depressed, uh, there are things that can relieve a little bit of the, of the anxiety can le- relieve a little bit of the stress or depression but really the only thing that allows you to break through depression is having something to get up for every day that gives you meaning and purpose in life. And the moment you take on purpose, it actually begins to replace depression. I'm typing notes. (laughs) And one of the challenges is when you're depressed, you don't feel like you have the energy to pursue a purpose. But if you don't start pursuing a purpose, you will never have the energy to get out of depression. So it can become a, a, a ruthless catch-22. It's interesting. I, I, I was, you know, we were walking today right before we jumped on here and we were, we were walking up the block. We both had parked far from the spot we were meeting at. And, and I was telling you about how, you know, 
I just did this jujitsu thing once, but I'm really excited about it. And I've been running, you know, in the mornings with Nick and like early, like we're getting everything's at like 6.30 or 7 a.m. And we're done by, you know, eight now back and getting showered and going to the office or going wherever we're going. And today, you know, he showed up, he was super sore. He did a class last night, a workout class. And I was like, hey, I'm super bruised up. My legs are exhausted. And, and we did this three mile run and, and we, we walk like, we'll walk like a half, like a quarter of a block just to give us a breather and then we'll run again. It's not a crazy run, but we'll, we were both struggling and we were trying to beat our pace from last week. And we did, we like increased it or decreased it by like 30 seconds each, each lap. Um, but on the last lap, uh, I was like, you know what, last quarter of a mile, like let's, let's sprint like everything we have, like vomit at the end. Just sprint because we were both struggling. Like he would, he would pace me and then I would pace him. And, you know, it, he was like, Hey, we got, I was, I was losing my wind. I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. He's like, no, no, two more blocks, two more blocks, four more blocks. And then he, I looked up and I was like, all right, sprint. Like the last two, three blocks that we're just going to sprint through the stop signs. We're going to go. And I mean, there's nothing that makes you want to throw up more than when you're at the end, you just go harder. There's something beautiful, beautiful and like alive this feeling of, of life that you get when you try to, when you push yourself beyond your physical capabilities. And I was telling you this as we walked, it was like, I just feel like this was the answer to my depression answer to like my, any, any sadness that I might have in the last season is just getting outside and enjoying the things that like you're able to enjoy given I'm blessed with having, you know, the, the human capability of running outside. Like that's a big, I'm really grateful for that. But doing little things to just challenge your mind and your body each and every day to get yourself into a space that's ready for whatever, you know, whatever the world has for you that day. Now, I, I, I think it's so significant. And I think one of the things that I think you're highlighting is that a lot of times people think, oh, you need a big world changing, earth shaking purpose to help you begin to move out of depression. And it's not. You just need to find small wins. It can be like choosing to run with a friend every day, or it can be like choosing to go to Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, with a friend. And then, so you're, you're not just doing jiu-jitsu, you're investing in a person's life who loves jiu-jitsu. You know, it's, and it's crazy because I feel like so much of our lives are really us, like we, we get the chance to invest in a lot of other people, but it's really unique when, you know, when he's investing in me. Yeah. You know, he, I can't do this without him. He's the one who shows me where to go to show up. Like, how do I learn this? You know, I'm going, how do I do this? I'm going to die. You know, <laughs> at the end, he's like, you're going to fight someone. You have to spar with two different people. I'll be one of them. So one other one is the other guy. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm absolutely not. I don't want to do that. And he was like, he, and then they, they said, the coach said, go get your mouth guards. And I looked at him like, what do you mean mouth guards? And he goes, ah, oh, no, you're fine. Just, just don't bite him and don't and clench your teeth. Don't and don't bite your tongue. And don't get your teeth knocked out. Yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah close your mouth. And I was like, that's not, a, that's not the solution. <laughs> not a, that's not a solution that I enjoy. Um, but I think the reality is that so, so many times we, like, we say no because we are too afraid of the outcome. Mm -hmm. right of what it might cost us to get us to the place where we'll feel better in life um and it's really about doing the work and real in realizing that like your mind is so much stronger than your body mm -hmm. if you can if, you're, if you'll just let your mind free and not focus on the pain but focus on 
you know, the result or the growth, uh, the pain you feel afterwards is momentary. Yeah. You know? But I, I noticed two things it just in your own life. When you're doing something physical that makes you healthier and you're investing in people, you become healthier. Mm -hmm. It can't always be about being invested in. Yeah. Even when you're in a broken state, there has to be someone that you are pouring into a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes when we don't invest in other people, what we have becomes really stale. Right. It's like you leave a cup of water on the counter for multiple days and you come back and you try to drink it. And you're like, oh, my gosh, what happened to something that has so much life and freshness to it? Mm -hmm. like it needed to get shaken up. It has to get recycled. It has to get filtered through again. But when you are really getting rid of the things that you already have, I think you end up growing. You know, you don't learn something. I, don't, I feel like you don't learn something and you don't let something in deep enough until you've tried to teach it to somebody else. That's so true. And that's, that's the leadership style that I think, you know, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago in the desert. That's a leadership style that Emerson Nowatney, our, our guy in Mosaic, Mexico, is really good at. Like mm -hmm. the moment he learns something, he's already preaching it as if he came up with it two seconds before. Yeah. Yeah. He integrates yeah. really fast. Everything he integrates really fast. And he credits you a lot. So it's, you know, I'm, I'm joking yeah. about that. Yeah. But, you know, he does it and he owns it because that's a really important. It's not, hey, this is what Erwin thinks. Yeah. It's, no, no. If you hear the talk, it's like, you know, it's, it, it, he's primary source. He always texts me. He says, hey, can I do this series or can I do this talk? And I always say, yeah, of course. But, you know, but he owns it. It's his. It's not, it's not secondhand. He's not, he's not telling you what someone else learned. He's telling you how he learned this and how it's changed yeah. him. And it's really powerful. Yeah. And there's something about that, right? Because I think, you know, we spend so much time out of our lives learning new things or learning things. And then maybe it's not a new thing or maybe we need to learn new things. Like I've realized that my mind needs to be stimulated just as much as my body does. So running isn't enough, you know, working out isn't enough because the more, the, the, the quicker you get into that routine, I get stuck in that routine. You know, you do nine months of the same workout and you're like, Oh man, my mind is bored now. How do I keep stimulating my mind? And but I think that, that's, I think, transferable to so many things, right? Relationships, marriages, businesses, leadership, there's churches, salespeople, all of it. Like you have to shake things up and make things new or you'll get lost in this, like the cycle and the mundane of life. And, and by the way, you see the, the reverse as, uh, as painfully and powerfully true as well, because when you see athletes like football players, or baseball or basketball players who spend all of their life from childhood into young adulthood playing a sport. And now they're retiring at 28 or they're retiring at 32. Um, so many of them go through massive depression yeah. and even struggle then with drug addiction and alcoholism and other destructive behavior because they've had purpose a singular purpose all their life. Now that purpose is gone, they're just flooded with a deep sense of depression, of insignificance, of worthlessness. And, uh, and so what you have to be careful of is that your purpose isn't simply coming from external structures, that your purpose is actually coming from an internal, um, you know, like motivation 
And so that you can transfer that internal motivation into a new field. And, and so, you know, you, I guess the, the funniest example would be Tom Brady, where I was 100% wrong. He wasn't going to the San Francisco 49ers. He was going into retirement. And, uh, and so crazy to me. Yeah. I, you know, I, 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 I shot, I gave my shot. I missed. It was an air ball. <laughs> and, uh, so did you know? I mean, he did this last time, though. He said he was retiring and then he came back. I, I, I believe him this time because I think everybody wants him to be retired. <laughs> yeah. Also, so. he, he signed a deal as an analyst for more money than he made in his entire playing career combined. Yes. Thank you, Austin, for stealing my, uh, my punchline. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we can, we can cut off my section. It's fine. I'm glad you've known. No, I'm glad you finally spoke up because, you know, uh, I was ramping, ramping, ramping up to it, Austin. Thank you for landing the plane. <laughs> and, uh, and, but no, that's the whole point. He moved from purpose to purpose. He, and, and so he didn't go from purpose to purposelessness. And as Austin just said, he signed, what was it, Austin, like $370 million for over 10 years or something like that? Yeah, it's huge. So he's he's going to make more money as an analyst than he did as a pro football player. And when you're when you have the motivation that comes from an internal source, you're able to shift it to a new domain, into a new challenge, into a new opportunity. When your purpose is placed on you from external sources, then when that source is lost, you're lost. Okay, can I ask you a question? Yeah. I was having this this conversation with uh, a dear friend of mine. We were talking at dinner last week, last Friday, and he was talking, he obviously has been going through something and I don't know exactly what he's going through. I don't know if he knows exactly, but I think it's just one of those seasons of life. You know, there's like, this, sometimes I get sad. People get sad. You have those yeah. moments where just like, I'm not well, or I'm just down, or I'm not feeling normal and the same. And I, I, I never told you this, but I, I told him at dinner, I was like, hey, look, like, you know, because uh, he was talking about, Going to therapy, he was talking about like looking into ketamine trials. There's all these like, you know, there's all this like kind of um, psychedelic, therapeutic, yeah. uh, new kind of progressive uh, treatments in LA, which is interesting. And he, but he's very op- open-minded and, and I wouldn't say experimental. I think he's, he's pretty like conservative in that way. Like, but he's looking into anything like what, what can cure to the depression? What can make me less anxious? Mm-hmm. How can I really be high functioning and, and less worried about that you know all the other things and i told him i was like hey if you ever want to sit down with my dad i i offered you up <laughs> oh thank you. Hey, if you ever want to sit down with my dad i know he'd love to have a conversation with you and he'd be willing to if i asked him to but you know one of the th- conversations we were one of the things we were talking about is purpose like what mm-hmm. is the purpose what is tomorrow's reason for waking up yeah. how do you get purpose how do you find purpose and how do you choose a purpose say if you don't have a purpose if you feel like you don't have a purpose so you know, being his age, like a 34 year old single man in Los Angeles. How do you find purpose, whether you believe in God or don't? And I, and I know that it's different for us who genuinely do have a faith and believe in Jesus. But how do you how do you find that? Where do you start looking? Yeah, I think the most grounded place to find and root purpose is in your personhood. Deciding my purpose is first and foremost who I'm choosing to become. Outside of career or job or role, uh, achievements, uh, goals, anything. 
I actually think the strongest source of purpose is when you decide, regardless of anything else in my life, my central purpose is going to be focused on the kind of person I'm choosing to become. Because then everything else can shift and everything can become uncertain and everything can actually um, become fragile, but you do not become fragile. Because your purpose wasn't that job, your purpose wasn't that career, your purpose even wasn't that calling, your purpose wasn't that outcome, your purpose is the person that you've chosen to become. And so then when you face a crisis or a challenge or, a, uh, you know, a, a, you know, a, 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 you know, what do you call it? Um, a setback, you can go, oh, this is just the context for me to become this person. And one, one of the things we're well, going like, okay. So, okay. So I, okay. So say I'm, I'm myself, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking for purpose or I don't have any purpose and right. You know, and I know that I've been I've been in a space in my life where I've been so depressed where like you you really can't see through the fog. Yeah. Can't see the beauty of life, you can't see the motivation of life, you can't find anything like worth grabbing onto. Is it hey, I, you have to find like step one is you need to find purpose, and the way you find purpose is deciding is by deciding who you're going to be as a person. Yeah. Let's say deciding who you're gonna be that day. That Saying, day but me um, specific. What person should I be that day? Yeah, saying, okay, I'm gonna, I, I, my purpose is to be the best version of myself. So today, I'm going to express gratitude. Uh, today, I'm going to openly look for things in my life that I can be thankful for. I'm not going to focus on everything that's missing in my life. I'm going to focus on everything that I have in my life. I'm not going to focus on the negative self-talk. I'm going to focus on positive self-talk. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to focus on being bitter. I'm going to focus on forgiving. And I think that, that your purpose has to begin there in taking care of the, the world inside of you. Okay. And, and then it moves outward. Yeah. And, and, and you know, like for myself, one of the things I, I told Kim this morning, um, you know, uh, your mom, my wife, was I've determined that in my life, if I'm, if I'm alive at 80, at 80, I'm going to have the sharpest mind I've ever had. Mm. And I told her, I said, at 80, I'm going to be the most curious I've ever been. At 80, I'm going to be the most um, unexpected thinker that I've ever been in my lifetime. Yeah. And, and so that was what I was just telling her this morning. And so I'm setting an intention, a purpose in my life. It's not. I'm going to accomplish this or accomplish that or, you know, make this much money or create this much beauty or, you know, it's all internal. This is the person I'm going to be. If I'm breathing at 80, this is who I'm going to be. And I'm making decisions now to become that person then. Yeah, it has to begin there because everything else is outside of your control. So gratitude is step Uh, one. uh, Like gratitude, uh, you you know, kindness. Like I, I, I make a decision to be a, a kind person every day. I make a decision to be a generous person every day. And, um, you know, today I was introduced by one business person to another business person. And the person said, Irwin is the most generous person. He will give you everything without asking for anything in return. And I love the fact that he's introducing me like this. And, uh, because you have to beg him to negotiate on his behalf. (laughs) 
And I want to be known as the, as the kindest person in the world, as the most generous person in the world. And, uh, and those are ambitions. Those, that is like my core purpose. And everything else I have in my life that succeeds is actually born out of those internal constructs. Yeah. And so pick things you don't like about yourself and go, I'm choosing to change that. This is my new purpose. I don't like that I'm impatient. So I'm going to make my purpose to express more patience every day than I, and than I did the day before. I don't like the fact that I'm negative. I, I'm always focusing on the negative. So I'm going to make it my purpose to only speak positive things. When I hear myself something negative, I'm going to stop myself, censor myself, and find a positive spin on that negative information. You know, let me throw something else at you. Let me send that one. No, 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 I don't no. like that I'm fearful. I live my life afraid. I think it's more about like relationships and being alone. Like, how mm -hmm. do I manage? Does anyone love me? And will anyone love me? And you know, I, you know, I was talking about this with someone. You know, I, I don't think it's hard for me to get a date. I don't think this. It's hard for this man to get a date. I think it's hard to find someone you want to keep dating, or hard to find someone that you feel understands you. I feel like I've had the privilege privilege of dating really wonderful people. So I, 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 it's not a knock to them. It's a knock to almost of my internal, like, um, inventory, like taking them into an internal inventory of like, what's going on inside of me of like, am I the right person to date? Am I those things? But how do you, and I know that a lot of questions that we get on Patreon and on my DMs through battle ready people are, you know, what do we do? Like, how do you, how do you date in a modern world? How do you with apps and with relationships and believing in God and like in the world and, and meeting so many different people and. How do you find someone that has the same values? And, and, and then it seems like you meet these people who have the same values and then you, you still feel more alone than you did before. So what do you do when it doesn't seem like there's anyone on the horizon? Like, what do you do when love feels like love is lost and you will never find it? Yeah, I actually think that one of the challenges in your culture, you have access to the awareness of way too many attractive people in the world. And so when you know, because of Instagram and social media, oh my gosh, there are 10,000 more attractive people than the person I'm having lunch with. And because the moment, even when you meet someone you think super attractive, and then you're having lunch with them, the moment you know them, they're less attractive because now you're seeing the human side of them. Mm. And, uh, it's, and, and so now you're going, oh, they got this issue or they got that issue or, you know, and, and so I think a part of the dilemma is that your culture is so triggered. And I mean, in a positive way by attraction rather than compatibility. And so then when you're actually compatible with someone, when you actually could do life with someone, when you would actually enjoy someone, you go, yeah, but you know. They don't match the 10,000 other options that are out there. And so you immediately lose interest. And what we don't realize is that that same criteria is the criteria they're using with you going, oh, he's a really handsome guy. Oh, I want to go out with him. And then they're going, but wow, the, what is it? Jordan Peterson, who recently talked about how the number one women actually look for in dating well, it's not, I don't think it is Jordan. It might be someone else. Is how much money can this guy make? It's, it's their ability to gather. Yeah. 
Yeah, I heard, I saw that clip. I think we might have sent it to each other. I think it was a scientist. Yeah. And so then you have this dilemma where, you know, you don't want to be measured up by women going, is he going to make enough money for me to want to have a long-term commitment? Because then you're like, this woman isn't falling in love with me. She's falling in love with my capacity to create resources. Well, I think women feel the same way when, you know, you're, you're always measuring them against someone else in their attractiveness. But the moment they have issues or the moment they have weaknesses, the moment they have humanity, they're like, oh, they're not as attractive as they used to be. And the reality is that, is that a huge part of, quote, falling in love or making a lifelong commitment is not finding a person that doesn't have any weaknesses or any shortcomings. It's finding a person whose weaknesses and shortcomings you're willing to embrace for all the value that person does bring. Mm. And, and, and it's the same way with you. They, they need to find enough value for all the good you bring to embrace your weaknesses and your shortcomings. And, and I think it's becoming harder and harder and harder because people are living in a false ideal of relationships. That's interesting because I think, you know, I think having options, options are definitely like the death of dating. It's, you know, especially here and Austin's sitting back falling asleep because my man's been married since he was 13. But like, and you've been married since you're 25. Like I was what you would have had. A, I would have had a four-year-old if I had a kid when you had a kid, you know? Um, and I, it's really an interesting thing. I mean, I know that it's much different. You, you grew up, you were in the South when you got married, dad. You were in the South in the Midwest kind of when you got married, Austin. But, it, you know, it's very different growing up in Los Angeles where options are real. You go out any given night and you could, you could, you know, I don't know, you throw a quarter and find a beautiful person. Like every second person is beautiful. It's like I have conversations with friends and it's like that guy's handsome. That girl's beautiful. This guy's this girl. This guy's cool. This girl's, you know, like even if you just take beauty away, the cool factor of the people in Los Angeles is it's overwhelming, you know, and and so, you know, I don't know, like, how do you, and then if you just go values alone, just values, just, just faith, is it enough? You know, and I, faith is dear to me. We, I was having this conversation with friends of mine recently because we're having the battle of faith of like, Aaron, you're the, you're our only religious friend. <laughs> you know, I was talking about the Annabelle dad and, you know, and, and, and James, and they're like, you're our most religious friend. And like, we're Jewish and we have like Catholic backgrounds but we're culturally this way. You are actually like practicing this way, <laughs> you know, and it's, a, and it's a huge difference. So like even just church alone, Christian, like they don't understand, like, and then it's not that they don't understand because they can't understand. They can't fathom. Like you go to church every Sunday. <laughs> They're like, I'm a most, and they, this is how I answer that question is it's, it's not that I have to go to church every Sunday. It's that when I have a free Sunday, I still choose to go to church. Mm -hmm. Like when I have a free Sunday, I go to church. If I'm too busy in something else in my life, I can't go to church. And that's like out of the norm for me. You know, like, oh, I free my mornings up on Sundays to make sure I can go to church. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but the same way, like, you know, they have things that are so unique to me. So, you know, how do you really find that person? Or maybe how do you even just have that hope that that person exists? And it, you know, when I was younger, I'd always, I always tell myself, like, I'm never going to settle. I'm never going to settle. And now I'm 34. And I'm like, I'm like, if she walks, <laughs> she talks, you know, but like, it isn't about settling, but how do you really settle down in the right way? 
Yeah, but even that isn't true. There's so many people in your life who would, if you asked them out, they would say yes in the drop of a hat. <laughs> you know, and but I also that's think that's that, what I'm saying. I'm saying like, how do you settle down in the right way? How do you go? Okay, look, like I'm yeah. 34 now. How do I choose the right, make the right choices, find the right person? And is love out there? Love feels like aliens sometimes. Yeah, I would say that, and this is going to sound crazy. Um, you need to realize you're picking the mother of your children. That's a real thing. That's a and. Real thing. And so, so That's exactly what Annabelle told me. <laughs> you and Annabelle, very similar. <laughs> and you need to marry someone you go, I'd really like this person to be the mother of my children. Because hmm. she needs to look at you and go, this is going to be the father of my children. I, I would love for this guy to be the father of my kids. Hmm. And, and if, you can, if you can go deeper into that space, you'll get out of the surface of, oh, I'm really attracted to this person. Or they're mysterious or, you know, and uh, because that initial chemistry can actually be incredibly deceptive to the long term glue that holds a relationship uh, together. And so I think that's one of the significant differences. But, you know, and we're and it's interesting. We've gone from like purpose to relationships, but I think they're very integrated uh, because I think that a lot of people are actually depressed because they're struggling with being alone. And there's a deep sense of loneliness in our culture. And, and, and I think the tension is that um, I think you're a part of a generation who's terrified of commitment. Mm. You're part of a generation who um, is terrified of eliminating options. But you're also part of a generation who longs for intimacy and longs for deep connection and doesn't realize that those things are warring against each other. You know, and, and it's true. When you say yes to someone, you're supposed to be saying no to everyone else. And that is one of the most cosmically challenging choices to make because you're saying no to the universe because you're picking one planet, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, no, it's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 um, it's scary. Right. And I think, you know, I, most of you, you, Austin's parents, my parents, a few other friends' parents are like the only parents I know that are still together. You know what I mean? And yeah, and it's and and it's a and it's a miracle. And like a lot of people, you know, people listen to this podcast from all over the world. But you know, in, in, a, in an LA culture, that's pretty rare, especially if you actually grew up in the city within like the three miles. It's mm -hmm. not a thing. You know, they have you know, I have lots of friends. Most of my friends, like their parents, are best friends, but they're not together anymore. They live in houses blocks away, or you know, and you live this kind of divided segmented lives and that's not a knock i mean i think you know I, I think it really is a different experience but what i've witnessed firsthand is very rare in my world mm -hmm. and it's sad that that's rare yeah you know and i i i said this to someone i was like i want to be like a duck <laughs> and they're like what do you mean i was like ducks only mate one time like how how do you get to the point where you're like there's all these other ducks in the world. Just, this duck is my duck. <laughs> you know? And yeah. And so, I, and I think a bit of it is our culture is so fast now. Mm -hmm. You, you know, I was talking to, to another friend, Kevin, and he was like, you know, your life is a lot faster than my life. And I was like, yeah, but that's because you're accountant and that's because I'm crazy. <laughs> and, but we were talking about that and how LA is really fast and how culture is really fast now. 
and how you might date someone quickly. You might have a few dates and then it's like, okay, boom, we're out. I know this person, I've downloaded this person and if there's nothing more mysterious, I'm out. And how do you really slow it down and go, you know, these are things I want to discover over a lifetime versus I need to like hyper date you for six months, know everything and then love bomb you and then get out. Um, and is there hope for this next little generation of singles? Of course there is. I, I, I just think that maybe the dark side, the sad side is people are going to figure this out later than sooner. Okay. And, and, but on the upside, it's never too late. Okay. Like it's, it's just never too late to um, commit to someone and have a meaningful relationship. Mm-hmm. And so you're not, you're not late, Aaron. It's not, you, you're not, you didn't miss your moment. You, you're exactly on time. And Austin was exactly on time for his time. And we just, you know, when you marry too early, when you marry early, you can marry too early because it's hard. And when you marry too late, you can go, I marry too late because you realize oh, I found someone amazing. I wish I'd found him sooner. And I think sometimes we just need to accept that there is no right time. There's just the time you choose. And, and then you go forward with that in, uh, in your life. Okay. And yeah. And, and I think the main thing is to realize that if I can make a full circle here, it's hard. It's going to be hard to find someone healthy if you're unhealthy. Okay. It, it's going to, it's going to be hard to find someone with purpose if you don't have purpose. Hmm. And so the most important things to do to combine these two conversations to have the find the relationship you want is to become uh, the person that you want sitting across the table. You need to find purpose in your life. You need to find meaning in your life. You need to find a sense of, of comfortableness in your aloneness in terms of I'm not needy, but I do want to have a lifelong relationship. And that's when you are best postured to find that person because you're, you're connecting for the healthy reasons and the right reasons, not the unhealthy reasons and the wrong reasons. I have a question. What are three things we should look for in a partner? How fast they forgive. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I would say one is how fast they forgive. Um, how easily they laugh. Hmm. And how hard are they to entertain? Interesting. Can you open up about that last one? Yeah. If you have to entertain a person to keep them in the relationship, it's not going to work. Hmm. If you just find a sense of comfort because you're just sitting in the same room together, separately reading books or doing your own things, hmm. uh, you, you, you have a relationship that probably has sustainability. Hmm. If, you're having to, if you're always on because you're afraid that person isn't going to like you or be interested in you or love you or want to be there, hmm. it's exhausting. Hmm. And so you don't want to have to entertain someone for them to want to be with you. Hmm. And the reason I say, and how easily the laugh is that um, it's a person you can talk to Hmm. like all night long. And so maybe that's the better way of describing what I was saying for the second one, because Hmm. when it's, when someone laughs easy, it's someone you can talk to. It's someone you can enjoy, you know, it, you can talk about deep things. You can talk about light things. You know, you can, you can just talk about life. You can talk about movies. You can talk about what you did today. You just want someone who's interested in listening and someone you're interested in listening to. Mm. So let me, let me make that the second one. And the first one, of course, is the person who forgives fast. If they stay 
if they hold a grudge, if they stay bitter, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to mess up. So mm -hmm. if they're, they're just willing to forgive fast and you're willing to forgive them fast and you're willing to overlook each other's offenses and, and talk about it, but not hold it. You, 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 I think you have a great formula for success. I, I think we've been going for a little bit now. I think, I think that's the pot right there. I think we're good. We're hitting the 50 minute mark today. All right, guys. Okay. I'm going to wrap this up. You have anything, any closing thoughts Dad? I think that was perfect. No, I think it was great. And I, um, I think your, your input today has been really, really valuable. So thank you so much. No, I mean, I've been, I'm just talking to you about life and you're just giving, you're just blowing everybody's minds. So I'm grateful. And Austin got a, got a zinger today. <laughs> zinger. Stole some, stole some, uh, stole some fire. Yes, it's all right. He, he, he stole my mojo, but it's all good. It's all good. That's why we have you here. <laughs> okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this out. Thank you to everybody who listened to this podcast. Uh, we're so grateful for you. Uh, you can write a review on iTunes podcasts. You can uh, rate this podcast on Spotify, and you can go and subscribe to our YouTube channel and leave a comment under this, uh, this, this episode. You can see our faces on YouTube, which is kind of exciting as well. If you want to do that, dare you do that. And uh, we have an Instagram. You can follow us, Battle Ready Podcast. And we have a Patreon, which if you go to BattleReadyPodcast.com, you can subscribe to the Patreon. We do special episodes. We're going to start doing more live episodes. Really, it's just a space for people who uh, feel like it's on their heart to contribute to the podcast and sponsor the podcast, be a part of the podcast and subscribe to it. So we are very excited to have you guys listening each and every week. This is a podcast that is every week except for the weeks that we don't do it. And we really are great. We're going back to that old line back in the day. <laughs> um, it's been almost six years of doing this podcast. Dad. That's amazing. It wow. might be almost seven. I think it's this, six. Six. Is it six? Yeah. Year six. Year six, man. Year six. And we're getting like 100,000 downloads a month. That's amazing. Which is like insane. That's stupid. Love that. I love everyone who joins us. Wait, wait. I was at dinner last night at Fumi. Yeah. And I was waiting outside and it was freezing. Freezing. And like, you know, you know, Fumi, like if you have to get there 30 minutes early and put your name in and then like, yeah. what to do with your life and then come back and hope to God they didn't forget. Like people are savage <laughs> at that restaurant. It's self sign up and people will be like, yeah, my name's Aaron. <laughs> come back and see your name cross off. And I'm like, mm. but, I met this, this guy, um, I think his name was, ah, man, I can't remember his name, but he was really, I think I want to say his name was Alex, but I remember his business partner was named Matt and he was a, a talent agent and he was like, Hey, super subtle. He was like, Hey, and I was like, huh? He's like, I listened to the podcast. Oh, my podcast. He was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. And he's like, I listened to that already. I was like, oh, do you come through Mosaic? He's like, oh, not so much. And I was like, oh, but how'd you find the pod? He's like, oh, I went to Mosaic one time. Cool. Like, I really love it. Thank you so much for doing it. Ah, gave me a little life. Give me a little hope. That's awesome. Yeah. Great. And I was, I was in a restaurant, uh, Casa Madera, and um, my waiter came up and he goes, Hey, I just need to admit, I know you. I listened to Battle Ready. <laughs> and then I said, uh, Do you go to Mosaic? He goes, No, no, ba Battle, battle Ready is my, like, my church. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, go to church. <laughs> no. church. You know? And so I thought that was, that was really great that he listens to the podcast. I tried to encourage you're, him to occasionally like, listen to my talks. 
you're under you're underselling it because you walked in and every single person that worked on that staff knew you and really? like handed him like a special box as like hey come anytime you never have to make a reservation you can just walk in and i was like <laughs> how guy goes out to dinner like once every other month <laughs> Walks that's <in>. all right <laughs> All right. I love you guys. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. And I think that, that all that to say is that we really appreciate the people who come up and say hi and give it, show us love. I mean, I think this community is so cool. This family is so cool. And I love that we are around the world and we got to see people in London and see people in Mexico City. And I'm just excited. I'm excited to watch this grow and let this thing happen. Uh, love you guys. I'll see you next week. Take care.